Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So good to be here in the house of the Lord. Wasn't that worship so amazing? There is something about worshiping the God who is holy. And every time we sing songs about His holiness, do you feel that there's just a shift in the spirit? There's just a shift when we pause and then say, you are holy. The Bible says the angels in heaven, they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. So on that note, we are concluding a sermon series on the holiness of God. The theme is being set apart, and we're going to carry this theme throughout the rest of this year, reminding ourselves of what it means to be set apart for God, what it means to live for God. The best description I've come up with uh, today's topic, as we talk about holiness completed, it is holiness on earth is a dress rehearsal for holiness in heaven. Holiness on earth is a dress rehearsal for heaven. What it simply means is that whatever we do here on earth, how we live our lives here on earth, we are getting ready. We are being prepared for something more amazing that is to come. I have this question for you. If holiness is meant to be our way of preparing for heaven, what are you doing today to prepare yourselves for eternity. If heaven is our home where we need to be ready, what are you doing today to be ready for heaven? So before I answer that question for you, I'm going to give you a minute, 30 seconds each, just in pairs. Tell someone what are you doing today to prepare for eternity? Since that I'm a student, I'm not going to be a student alone. Please join me in doing your homework. Just find someone. Tell them, what are you doing today to be ready? Online, please do the same. All right, thank you. Since you've answered the question, I guess there's no need for me to continue preaching. We can go back to worship. In fact, worship was so good, I asked the worship guys, can they come back, you know, and let, let's have round two of that. Then they said, no, we've already had round two because first service was their first round. They had a good answer. On that, come back tonight. Thank you, Pastor Greg. 5 p.m., we'll be having amazing worship right here in the, in the, the evening service. As I was pondering on this question, what am I doing to get myself ready as a dress rehearsal for heaven? I was thinking about how athletes get themselves ready when they're about to go onto the field, when they're about to go and play a game and match. There's certain things that they have to do to get themselves ready. Are we together? So what are you doing as a believer? It is like that young athlete, that young football player who is practicing, sacrificing so much, hoping that one day they can hold that FIFA World Cup trophy. Some of you can see already where I'm going with this. It is like Bafana Bafana, trying hard, being so close and yet so far. So close, so close and yet so far. This week, I think the whole nation needs victory weekend. 
after that uh, sad game that we had. But they did their best. I think the best way in proper South African language, you can say, Bazamil. <laughs> they tried, they tried, they tried. And it's the same with our walk with Jesus. You know, like we, we sometimes feel like, no, I'm doing well, I'm getting this right. And sometimes it feels like I'm not getting it right. But I want to tell you the good news today. When the destination is clearly seen, we will sacrifice everything to get to the destination. When the destination, when we know what we are sacrificing for, when we know what is to come, we know that whatever it takes, I will do it because I know there's something great that's coming on the other side. The sacrifices we make today, it's an investment for what is coming. So I want to show you from Revelation 21, that will be our main text for today, that helps us to see a vision of a new creation that spurs us into action when we get weary in the fight. We get weary in the fight. We get weary as we're trying hard and to live for the Lord. But I want to tell you that when we see the destination, the new creation that He is preparing for us, we will sacrifice whatever it takes to get to this destination. Let's read the word together. I'm reading from verse 1 of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write down this. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, this text that we've read, we know, some of us may know that uh, John, the apostle of Jesus Christ, when he wrote this uh, vision that he saw from God, God had taken him on an island of Patmos. And on this island, God revealed to him what is to come. God was revealing to him the destination so that he can write down, the angel says, write down what you see so that you can give it to the people of God so they will know how to live on earth because of what is coming. We are here on earth as a dress rehearsal for what is coming post-earth. So what I'll be talking about today is these three things from this text. A new creation, a new presence, and a new life. 
A new creation we are talking about. I'm sure some of you, you're thinking, maybe we should call it new, new creation. Because as children of God, the Bible says those who are in Christ, they are the new creation. So we are already the new creation. So as we prepare for heaven, there is a new, new creation that's coming. There's a double new that is coming. Like we talk about the double blessing, my double, double. There's a new, new that is coming for us. That is what I'm talking about this morning. I pray that you'll be challenged to see that there is a double new that is coming, that God is preparing for us. The Bible says God will bless his people with a new creation and a new city. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Ponder about that for a second. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city. It means if it's a holy city, it's people who are holy who get into the city. It's people who have dressed themselves for holiness who will make it into the city. It's people who've lived a life in such a way that they can please God. For the Bible says without holiness, we cannot see God. It says that the city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. You know, let me remind you that we cannot fathom God. Imagine the Bible says they are coming from heaven out of God. How big is this God? How big is this God? It says that the new heaven and the new earth, it simply means that as Bible scholars are wrestling with this topic of the new heaven and the new earth, some are saying we're going to be caught up in, in, in the new heaven here. As you have read it in Corinthians, it speaks about how the dead will rise and those who are still alive will be caught up with Jesus right here. So a new heaven is coming, a new earth is coming, and then we can say, yes, Lord, we have arrived. That is the destination of those who believe the Lord. As we talk about this new creation, I want to remind you that when you go to Genesis chapter 1, we see the story of the original creation that God created. The story that God says six times it was good after he created And then the Bible says on the seventh day, God looked at everything that he has done and he said it was very good. He said it was very good after he created everything. And what we don't realize is what happens in chapter 3, the fall messed up with everything that God had created for us. God wanted Adam and Eve and humanity to be royal representation of his holiness, his glory here on earth. But three things we lost at the fall. The first thing that we lost in Genesis 3 at the fall is this amazing fellowship with God the Father. I want to unpack that for us, this amazing fellowship. You know, when you read in Genesis 3, the Bible says that God showed up in the cool of the day. I thought to myself, the Bible says God showed up in the Garden of Aden in the cool of the day. They did not need an aircon. Like we're struggling just with the load shedding stage six to run the aircon. Lord Jesus, help us, Lord. We, we are dying here on earth. It's hot. In the cool of the day, God walked with them. This is to say that Eden, the definition of Eden is joy. The definition of Eden is delight. definition of Eden is God walking and living with his people 
with no hindrance. So what we lost at the fall is unhindered fellowship with the Father. Unhindered fellowship walking in the cool of the day with the Father. Where we don't need an aircon. You can see I need victory again. On that same note, we lost immortality. I, I don't know if you realize, and I'm going to give you one more homework. If you go study the book of Genesis, the first three chapters and the last three chapters, it's a mirror image. We lost immortality. It means in Genesis 2.9 that there was a tree of life. Why was the tree of life there? The tree of life was there so that we can live without dying. We lost immortality. Death came because of sin. The third thing we lost at the fall is the creation mandate to cultivate and to keep the garden. The word keep and cultivate is a word for service. It is the same word that describes the priestly service in God's tabernacle, in God's temple that we've been speaking about from the book of Leviticus, how they would go into the presence of God and present the sins of the people and God will forgive. So we've lost that. We've lost creation mandate to rule, to dominate. But just when we think that it's doom and gloom, Jesus Christ comes. Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to restore that which was stolen. I'm here to bring back that which was lost in Genesis 3. I like how Paul puts it. Paul says, for creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All of creation is waiting for you and I to dress ourselves, to clothe ourselves with holiness so we can be revealed. It says that, for creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, that's where death is, and be brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We hold the keys. We hold the keys. As children of God, we don't realize that we hold the keys to set creation free. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. If creation is waiting for you and I to be revealed as the sons of God, how are we living today to invest into eternity? How are we living today to reveal God to those around us? How are we living today to show that this is a dress rehearsal for heaven? You know, I feel like a lot of us Christians... We live as if earth is our destination. We live as if we have arrived. Let me ask you a question. If you were traveling from Joburg to Cape Town, and you were going to stop overnight in the Karoo, and you have your overnight luggage packed nicely, when you arrive in the Karoo, at the place where you're going to be spending the night, do you unpack the whole entire suitcase your overnight, your big suitcase, you, you unpack and then you stay like, I've arrived. No. Why does it feel like as Christians we live like that? We live here on earth forgetting that the Bible says we are sojourners. Yeah. 
We are on a journey. We are traveling. We are on a trip. So basically, our stay here on earth is an overnight stay. Don't get so married to the things of this world that you forget there's eternity coming. There's a new, new creation coming. There's great things coming for us. I think we're crying so much as Christians for the things of this world, forgetting there's better things coming for us. There's a better life coming for us. We are so fixated to have the success, like the success of this world, forgetting there's a better success that's coming. There's a better creation that God is preparing for us. Whatever it takes, we will live for it. This week I sat down with a man who's very senior in corporate South Africa, and he said that he had to resign because he was standing against corruption after corruption after corruption. But as one who understands what it means to be set apart, he said, I wouldn't do it. He said, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And I know that God will reward him. I know for sure that God will reward him. And we need more men and women like that who understand there's a better life. Because that resignation cost him a lot. But he said, I'm not going to settle for this. So people see me living a life of luxury, not knowing that I had to sell my soul. Lord, help us to see that our life on earth is a dress rehearsal for heaven. When Paul said these words, he was challenging the people in Rome to realize God will eradicate sin and evil from the new creation. Nothing and no one unholy will have part in it. If you watched uh, this morning on the Version app, the devotion for today was Hebrews 12, 14, which speaks about those who live, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and be holy because those who are holy will see God. Without holiness, we will not see God. I don't know if you've ever realized, go read uh, uh, Revelation. I've read the whole entire book of Revelation. I took notes and I filled one of those thick books with hardcover with notes. And after reading, I'm like, what just happened here? There's so much in that book that you will never fathom God. It writes about the seraphims who has six wings. Their job is to fly around God and say, holy, 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 holy. And the very same seraphims, the Bible says, the six wings, two is to hide and cover their feet. Bible scholars say, maybe because of where they have been, they have to cover their feet. The Bible says the two wings is for flying. But what intrigues me is the two wings to hide their faces. Why are they hiding their faces? They are hiding their face because of the blinding brightness of the glory of God. The blinding brightness of the glory of God. Now that takes us to the next point I'm bringing you to. Imagine the Bible says you and I, we get to see the blinding brightness of the glory of God. The new, new creation is going to be even better than the angels. And the seraphims and the cherubims who could not look at God. I think you need to take some time pondering on that. A new presence. A new presence. A new presence of God. I don't know if you have experienced encounters with Jesus where you don't want to leave. 
I've had moments like those, whether in my private quiet time or at the worship night or even in our worship sometimes, you just want to stay there, linger longer in the presence of God. But I'm here to tell you there's a better presence that's coming. There is a better presence that's coming. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. What a privilege! The dwelling place of God has come down, is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. This is where I start to preach to myself now. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. Ooh, Lord, help us. Death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. Someone needs to hear that. Death shall be no more. Maybe you are mourning something. The Bible says, neither shall be mourning nor crying. Maybe you're crying, you're in pain. The Bible says, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And here's the promise of the Lord. Behold, I'm making all things new. Behold, I'm making all things new. You know, this word to dwell is to tabernacle. When you read John 1 verse 14, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, who was the word, came down and he tabernacled. He dwelt on us. So God is saying, now I'm not sending my son. This time around, I'm coming to be with you. I'm coming to dwell with you. I'm coming to be your tabernacle. Go and read the latter part of this uh, chapter 21. It says that God himself and the Son will be the tabernacle. We're going to live in the presence of God into eternity. This is holiness complete. This is an extraordinary promise. God will live with us, the former sinners, having cleansed, sanctified, and conformed us into his holy image of the holy Jesus. Holiness on earth is a dress rehearsal for heaven. I want to speak a little bit about the fact that the Bible says he will wipe away every tear and death shall be no more. Remember what I said that at the fall we lost immortality. But I'm here to remind you that the Bible says when newness come, Mortality will wear immortality. The perishable will wear the imperishable. So in the presence of God, we're going to be dressed up with the imperishable, with immortality, meaning that restoration is coming of immortality. It was on the 29th of November last year that I received a call from a doctor here in the church who works for a hospital and she said, Pastor Sai, I just want you to come to the hospital together with your wife because uh, she had been journeying with uh, our sister in love. In this church, we don't say in law, we say in love. So sister in love is that it is uh, Lindy's brother's wife who had been in hospital and she's been in and out of hospital. And on the 29th, when we got the call, the doctor said, you know, it's not that great because um, she's been diagnosed with cancer. 
And you know, we've been praying for people in this church. We've seen people healed of cancer. So we sat down with our brother and we were trying to give him courage. Courage is to, to just say that God will see us through this. God will work a miracle. We prayed and prayed and prayed. And some of you will remember the week of prayer and fasting when we were here praying. We prayed for her. We prayed for other people who were wrestling with cancer. We asked people to stand and even stand proxy for someone else who may be wrestling with cancer. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we refused to believe the report that was coming. And said to say that um, even though there were signs of hair recovering, the week after the prayer and fasting, we lost her. She passed away. And I know that we don't want to hear testimonies like those. We just want to hear testimonies of victory. It was on the Monday that after she'd passed, Lindy and I were grappling with this. We're sitting down, and I was asking my wife, why is it that we never get used to death? Why is it that we never make peace with the fact that this is bound to happen? And what Lindy said stayed with me because it is theologically accurate. She said to me, remember, it was not meant to be like this. Remember, we were not supposed to die. Remember, the reason why we're not getting used to this idea of death is when God first created us, we were created with a tree of life so we can live forever and ever and ever and ever. So the reason why we struggle with death is because we will not settle for this world and say, there's a better world that's coming. We're grateful to the Lord that our sister in love is with the Lord. We may be in pain. We may be struggling because of what has happened. But there's one thing we hold on to. A time is coming where the mortal will wear the immortal. How are you investing into eternity? By the way, I'm sharing this story with you to say, God's sovereignty is He decides who He heals and who He doesn't heal. Let me remind you that, that the purpose of prayer is not to bend our will to God's will, but to bend our will to God's will. It's not to bend His will to ours, but to bend ours to His, Tim Keller says. It was that very same prayer week when we were praying, a lady from the church, Sis Mealy, stood up for a 15-year-old in her school, in her class, who was diagnosed with cancer. We prayed with her. We prayed for them. And this week, she reached out to my wife, and she said that 15-year-old has just been through tests, and they say she's completely healed. There's no trace of cancer in her system. And I'm like, God, I don't understand. But the one thing I'll do is God had given, God has taken, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we're grateful for this 15-year-old who's alive today because believers prayed. Finally, a new life. When we talk about a new life, you can take me to the next slide. Those who thirst and overcome will inherit eternal life with God in the new creation. We will inherit eternal life with God in the new creation. Verse 67 says, and he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega. God takes the final say. He has the final say. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. So 
amazing, the God that we serve. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. John 4, 14, the Bible says, Whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I'll give him will become to him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It means that when we get saved and we drink of the Spirit like we did in worship this morning, we are drinking of the very tree of life that we lost in Genesis. The Bible says we will drink the spring of water welling up to eternal life. John, 1 John 5, verse 4 to 5, the Bible says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that we have, that it is our faith that makes us to overcome the world. It is our faith that helps us. Let's see if we have it on the slide. There it is. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that, that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It means that we are fighting from a place of victory. Amen. We are still fighting, but we are fighting from a place of victory because we have conquered. Yeah. I guess another way of putting it is John 16.33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Be of good courage. I have overcome. Jesus says, I have overcome. Therefore, you will overcome. We fight from a place of victory. You know, I like to explain it this way, that we are in a match, but this is a match that is already fixed because in the end we win. You know, Billy Graham put it this way. He says, I have read the book, and in the end, we win. No matter what happens, we are going to win. No matter what we're going through, we are going to win. We are bound to win. We are bound to win. Because he has overcome, we will overcome. Overcoming does not depend on age, gender, ethnicity, wealth, education, strength, intelligence, or human characteristics. Because Jesus has overcome, we overcome. We overcome. Just using the words of overcoming, there's this homework that I promised that I'll give you. Because I'm a student, please join me. If I tell my professors that you did the homework, I might just get extra credit. Sorry, Lereko, I will get extra credit, not you. I was blown away studying scriptures, preparing for the sermon, realizing that there is no coincidence in scripture. There is no coincidence. Go and read it. The reason I'm saying take the homework, go and read it. It's amazing that the first three chapters of Genesis is a mirror image of the last three chapters of Revelation. And people struggle with canonization. How did the Bible come together? Do you think it's a coincidence? It's no coincidence. So let me take you through this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 verse 1. Revelation 21 verse 1, I saw the new heaven and new earth. Is this coincidence? Thank you. The darkness he called night. We go to Revelation. There shall be no night there. Genesis, God made two great lights, the sun and the moon. Revelation, the city has no need of the sun and the moon because God and the sun, they will be the light to the new tabernacle. Coincidence? And we're preparing for something better. We lost it in Genesis, we are regaining it in Revelation. It says that 
In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You read in Revelation, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow. Satan appears as a deceiver to mankind. We read in Revelation, he's going to be annihilated. He's going to be taken out. Oh, death, where is your sting? Show, shown a garden in Genesis into which defilement entered, sin entered. In Revelation, it says, there's a city. There shall be no wise to enter into it or anything that defiles. No sin, no unholiness, no uncleanliness will enter the city. What I mentioned earlier on, we lost the walk with God. It was interrupted in Genesis. In Revelation, it has been re resumed. In case you think it's the end, there's more. There's initial triumph of the serpent in Genesis. In Revelation, ultimate triumph of the Lamb that we sang about this morning. I will greatly multiply your pain. In Revelation, there shall be pain no more. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In Revelation, there shall be no curses. Wow. We can just camp here. Man's dominion broken in the fall with the first man, Adam. Man's dominion restored in the new rule, which is in Jesus Christ. First paradise closed, new paradise opened. Access to the tree of life disinherited in Adam. Access to the tree of life restored in Christ. When you get to heaven, the Bible says there's going to be a tree of life, meaning immortality is restored. They were driven from God's presence. They shall see his face. The part about seeing his face messed me up. If seraphims and cherubims cannot see his face, we get to see his face. Wow. I was reading the story of John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania. In 1968, he participated in the marathon in Mexico or exactly where we started talking about race and running, and when you, the destination is clear, you will sacrifice everything it takes to get to that medal. And this story, as I read it, they say that uh, after some time, while they were running, there was a commotion, and they fell. And you know when you're running in a group, and one person fall, a whole lot of other people fall, and so many people got injured. John Akari also got injured. He actually twisted his ankle, he was attended to by the medics. 18 people were taken to the hospital out of that accident. But he decided to continue to run. And then they asked him at the end, because now when he arrives, everyone is gone. There's a few people still at the stadium. You will see just now. It's already dark. The winner is gone. They got their medal. They got their trophies, whatever they were getting. And then he arrives. I want you to watch this, read the subtitles, and see what he says at the end when the reporters ask him, why did you continue to run? He had dislocated his knee, and when the reporters asked him, why did you continue to run, he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I thought to myself, God did not send us all the way to just start the race. God sent us to earth to finish the race. God sent us here to earth to finish the race. Let me remind you of the words of Apostle Paul. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith.
How many of us will say we have kept the faith? We have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to those on the day, not only to me, but those who've been longing for his appearing. Let us stand to pray. This is the scripture I want to pray for us this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance, every hindrance, and the sin that so easily entangled. And let us run with endurance, the race set out for us. There's a race set out for us. We've been sent here as a new creation. We've been sent here to run the race. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross because he knew what was coming, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He knew what was coming. The destination was clear for him. Another scripture I want to pray for us this morning. It's Acts 20, verse 23. Apostle Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing after he was facing death. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Paul says, I'm willing to lose my life. I'm willing to give up my life for this one goal, this one aim, to finish the race and to finish the task God has given me, that is to preach the gospel. I pray that we'll realize that part of our dress rehearsal as children of God is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time where you're challenging us to live as sojourners. You're challenging us to live as strangers here on earth. You're challenging us to realize that there's a new, new creation that has been prepared for us. You're challenging us, Father, to prepare ourselves for a new, new presence that you have for us that is different to the presence we have today. Father, you're challenging us for a new, new life that you have for us in eternity. May we live our lives in such a way that we can honor you, make disciples, and see transformation. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give God the glory.